Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick, and guess what? You guys are listening to The Jim Bob Show. Hey, this is Wayne Larrabee, and you're listening to Roar on WGN. Hey, this is Jim McMahon, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. I had to pop a beer for this one. Hello, boy. Yeah. Hey, this is Brian Urlacher, and you're listening to The Jim Bob Show. That's awesome. Oh, that's then, it. How about one? This is Brian Urlacher. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's I love that one. <laughs> Half the coaches in the league. The Mondays were the worst. And that's when you really got tested, when you came off a tough loss. You got into the office on Monday. You found out two more players were hurt. You didn't realize the sky's always fallen in the NFL on Mondays. You don't know what you don't know when you're trying to get to the Super Bowl. Hi, it's Tom Chicago in the Skyline Studio. The Roar Series here at 720 WGN. It is the Jim Bob Show, an on-the-line Jim Bob, a member of maybe the greatest team, probably the greatest defense, and undoubtedly the best ever for the Bears in 85 as a Super Bowl champion. And Jim Bob, really what is Chicago sports royalty? Gary Fensick, maybe the best-looking guy to ever play in the NFL, was on the cover of GQ magazine. Wow. Here's the here's one of the toughest guys in the NFL on the cover of GQ magazine. He might as well have been on the cover of Vogue. Okay, <laughs> so pretty. Hey, Gary, this is uh, it's a real pleasure, man, and, and uh, glad to have you because you are one of my all-time favorites, uh, All Pro, Super Bowl champion, defensive captain, part of the Hitman Squad with with one of my other favorite guys Doug Plank I mean just glad to have you on here and we got so much to talk about uh with you and thanks for taking the time today sure no problem at all but man I'll tell you what isn't it amazing Tom Brady you know the greatest ever great looking guy well I mean, I mean he's got, I don't think pretty, he, I don't uh, think he's any I don't think he's any better looking with Gary Fencing and <laughs> Gary Fencing in 1985 owned the United States and, and, and Jim Bob here you could challenge him to a battle of wits too so he had the looks he had also well, yeah, the he's, brains he's 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 got an MBA in management and I I'm kind of curious about that because uh, you know playing free safety for for the Bears in the 46 defense and so forth you were the manager more or less i mean you you had to have the whole field from the line of scrimmage back to where you were and and uh buddy put a lot of confidence in you in that defense well he did but uh you know uh singletary really took care of the linebackers in the, in the front four but you know still we had a lot of our calls were based on formation and so there are a lot of changes going on before the snap of the ball and we felt as a defense that you couldn't put us into a bad defensive formation and so if you were in an eye or a split backfield and you had a man in motion we might switch not only you know the coverage but also the the front seven and then in 84 85 and after that we would also do it uh, for blitzes as well so you had to have players who weren't just good physical uh, specimens but really were pretty intelligent on the field as well. Yeah, you guys had some physical specimens, though, too. I will tell oh, you. What you. I mean, they're, they're yeah. one, considered one of the best, if not the best, defense ever. But let's take you back. Let's go back to Yale when you are a receiver at Yale. And did you think you were going to play professional football your junior year at Yale? Did you say, oh, man, I'm going to the pros? <laughs> I don't think anybody who goes to an Ivy League school is dumb enough to have any uh, thoughts about playing in the NFL. If I did, I, I would have gone. I had a full ride to Minnesota and Wisconsin. I really liked Wisconsin. I, I like the coaches, and there are a lot of Chicago 
area players going there, but I, I didn't. I, I went to Yale instead. And I wanted to play defensive back. And our coach at the time, Karn Koza, wouldn't move me. And uh, I even like threatened not to come out my senior year, which was kind of an empty threat. But, you know, guys do get drafted in kind of the lower rounds. Uh, back then, they had 10 rounds. Today, I think, what is it? Six, seven, and so uh, I knew my junior year that a couple of guys had been drafted that I probably would get a chance. But you know, realistically, you know, my backup was I was in uh, the Citibank management training program. So, uh, yeah. not a bad backup yeah. plan. Okay, but better <laughs> yeah, yeah. better than ninety eight percent of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, at least I did have a plan, and uh, but you know, I ruptured my lung uh, the first month there, and. And then kind of an odd play, we were playing against the New Orleans Saints in Burrow Beach, uh, Florida, hot as hell in July. And who was the quarterback in the scrimmage? Bobby Douglas. And I'm from Chicago and a big Bears fan. And it was like, God, Bobby Douglas. Oh, man. And he completed a short pass to a guy, which Bobby usually, you know, speared these guys who throw it so hard. And I uh, ruptured a lung by breaking a rib and, I made it to the final cut, but I got cut on Labor Day and then picked up by the Bears. Uh, and we, you know, you and I were talking about it the other day when we were visiting, but uh, you know, the Demar Hamlin injury and, and the, the fact that it was a, a one of a kind situation, and and people were asking me what I thought about Demar, and you and I visited w- with it as well. I think the most important thing is that uh, it looks like he's come out uh, in with a really good outcome as a player. You know, as a as a former player, and of course, those players that were around him, they seemed so shocked, like on the field for it. And and is part of it too, Gary, is the fact that it's so random. It isn't the kind of thing that you can say to yourself, "Well, okay, don't do that," or "Here's something we can do to protect ourselves from that." It was so absolutely random. Well, and you know, it wasn't a good hit. I mean, he got hit. He's a defensive back. He's supposed to be doing the hitting, and you know, it was. So it was just odd in that sense. But when he drooped and just went down, I thought, God, he got knocked out. He's just completely knocked out. And boy, when they brought that ambulance out and then they're saying, hey, you know, it looks like they're giving him paddles. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy might die. And that goes back to the last player who actually died in an NFL game was back in the early 70s with the Bears playing Detroit. Yeah, And I honestly don't even remember that. But I, you know, reading, they, they said that they finished that game. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you're yeah. just like, wow. You know, but you know, as well as I do, when you're playing the game, hey, everybody gets hurt, maybe yeah. not the kickers. And and so you feel invulnerable. And, you know, if someone breaks, you know, well, somebody blows me out, happens all the time. And you go, hey, you know what? In your mind, you have to divorce yourself from that person and rationalize why you didn't get hurt. And you say, well, that guy didn't work out hard enough or this or that. But you've got to say, this isn't going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. And then the first major injury that I had, other than this ruptured lung, <laughs> which was, by the way, pretty serious. Yeah. <laughs> but I was playing in a playoff game in 79 against the Eagles. And on a failed strong safety blitz, Leroy Harris, their fullback, cut me. And I, it flipped me. And I thought I hurt my shoulder. And I started to walk off, jog off. And I just went down to the ground and I had torn uh, the medial collateral off the bone in my left my left knee, which, you know, 40 years later, 35, whatever it is, I, uh, a month ago, had my uh, my first replacement of a joint, my, my left knee. Yeah. So, you know, once, when you finally do get hurt, though, I think you just kind of, you know, you resign yourself to the fact, this is just 
this is just a probability that happens. Yeah. And then the tough question is, you know, some guys just can't get through that rehab. Uh, but, you know, you have to really face that, hey, I may never play football again. And how bad do you want it? And I had to work out six days a week for six months to get back. And, you know, it's, it's a real challenge, particularly the first time somebody cuts your legs and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I can tell you is that, you know, I didn't have uh, near a, the length of a career that you did and so forth. But, you know, here I am sitting here 16 surgeries later and we talked about our knees and everything. I mean, eight knee surgeries on, on one leg. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, all of the surgeries like some of these guys have and our, our buddy Doug Plank. I mean, Plank's got yeah. like, you know, two artificial shoulders, two artificial knees. I don't know where his hips are, but I mean, uh, you know, we talked He's, you know, he's, he's, he can play now. He's bionic. <laughs> you know, he's geared up. Uh, I, I Put wanted, a little extra motor in there, and you're yeah, You can just run faster than you ever have. Yeah, you know when you when you ruptured your lung, and and we talked a little bit about this, and you get injured on the field, and everything that you said, you know, is exactly right. You're trying to justify, you know, why, yeah. how did I avoid this? Well, <laughs> you actually got hurt that first time, and that was a serious deal. What was going through your mind because you can't breathe? You know, it. I was laying on the ground for, I mean, I, let's just say we had like a hundred play scrimmage and this probably happened in the first 20. You're down in Miami, Florida in you know July, August, it's hot as you and as hell. And I just kind of laid on the sideline and then, you know, we didn't take me to the, took me to the hospital after that. Honestly, I didn't, it wasn't like I, I had a little shortness of breath, but there was just some gurgling going on that you knew something wasn't right. And, um, you know, after a day, they finally came to me and said, well, you know, here's what's happened and we're going to have to uh, operate. And they, they put a big needle right in your chest and tell you not move. And you're like, don't worry, I'm not going to. <laughs> and then they put a tube in your chest and it comes out into a beaker of water. And every time you cough, your bubble show and that shows that your lung hasn't healed. Uh -huh. So I was, you know, in bed, I think it's sealed after about a day. And the veterans from the Miami Dolphins hadn't even come into camp yet. It was like the first two weeks, just the free agents and the draftees. Yeah. And so I had this little scar over my heart. And they started calling me Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to get into nicknames yet. I, we're going to wait for a little bit longer in the show here. But you've got some interesting ones from from Doctor Doom to to we mm -hmm. talked about just to to Hit bitch. Man. I mean, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about those in a second. But you know, so you know, you get hurt. Also, you know, here you are, you've ruptured along and you get caught. Okay, I mean, what did you think about that? You've left along. Now you're cut uh, weeks later. How'd that feel? You know, I, it's kind of funny because, you know, I was a low draft choice, so it wasn't like I had high expectations of making the team. But as we started to go through training camp and guys were getting cut, and Don Shula was the head coach and he would announce the cuts every week, which was great. And then I thought, hey, I'm, I may make this team. And the final cut, which was on Labor Day, uh, Jake Scott, who was a great safety for the Dolphins with their undefeated uh, defense back in the 70s, had held out all, all camp. He wanted out. And so the last cut, they said, Jake Scott has been traded to the Washington Redskins. And I went, oh, my God, I made the team. I made the team because, uh, you know, I made the numbers. And then they said, and we traded for another safety, I think, Brian Salter. And I thought, well, I'm gone. And I was. Yeah. So 
you know, everybody gets that. And when you find, and, but it was funny because there were some great rookies that camp and one of them was an artist and he would, he would be drawing all the different modes of transportation to get out of Miami, bus, car, airplane. And, you know, so you kind of get that, you know, just can't everybody just gets the gallows humor. Yeah. Because, right. Yeah. You know, it's the, like, the, Hey, the henchman's you, coming, man. Yeah. The henchman's coming. And, you know, you see it every week where they're going, oh, the coach comes into the locker room. You're like, oh, my God, don't come near my locker. And then <laughs> yeah. they go to the guy next to you and say, hey, uh, you know, bring your playbook. Or go that's, hide. That's how it is. Or, or go hide, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah gotta, he's, in the, I, he's in the bathroom. He'll be out in an hour. <laughs> yeah, or two. yeah. And just stay hidden. I got to tell you, when I was at Green Bay, they actually thought I was a different player. They thought I was Jim Bob Harris for Alabama. And I just let him think it. I didn't give a damn. I go, that's how I made the team. <laughs> They thought, you know, we were sitting here talking about this George Santos character, and Dane's talking about all this thing that this, this guy's made up, and he's a congressman. And I go, well, I have to tell you the truth. <laughs> I know a little bit about that. Gary, we yeah. talked to so many great players who had great careers, and some of them, a lot of them, right? It's a current theme. You know, they grew up wanting to be in the NFL or wanting to be a player, and you're saying that, you know, you were playing receiver, and that you really hadn't contemplated the possibility that you could be in the NFL, and then you get cut. So through the course, of the training camp, it kind of came to, I guess, the realization that this was a, a real possibility as at least a sort of a stop in the career for you in yeah. the football world. You know, again, I mean, I played I, my freshman year at Yale. They don't have freshman football anymore, but I was a defensive back and I played like on third down. And then I got converted to wide receiver uh, the next year as a varsity. And so I think the Miami Dolphins were the only team that actually went back and saw my freshman year film. And said, look, you're too slow to be a receiver in the NFL, but there are some guys who have, you know, made the transition, like Rex Kern, who was the quarterback at Ohio State, was the free safety for the Baltimore Colts. And I go, hey, I, I want to play, I want to play defensive back. So I was all excited about that. And, you know, they gave me a good contract and I really enjoyed. I mean, you know, you still had the foundation of the undefeated Miami Dolphin team. And so Bob Greasy was a quarterback and Tim Foley, who's from the Chicago area, went to Loyola and Purdue uh, kind of took me under his wing and Dick Anderson, all pro safety. The veterans treated me great. I really, really enjoyed my experience at Miami. And Shula even asked me, he said, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm in this training program. And he goes, well, you know, injuries happen. And, you know, if we gave you a call because of an injury, would you be willing to, to uh, come down? And I said, well, give me a call. You know, right, <laughs> what, yeah. what are we well, going to say? No, no. Yeah, well, I really want to be a banker. Yeah, yeah I really want to be a banker instead of an NFL player. Let's not get too <laughs> crazy here, though, Gary, honestly. I mean, you know, in 1976, a good contract, you got paid $24,000. <laughs> Couldn't spend it all. Couldn't spend it all. It was so much. I mean, you know, my goodness gracious, I just don't know what am I going to do next? I mean, what am I going to buy? So your people in the banking, what were they saying? Like when you told them the contract, were they like, wait a minute, you've got this career and you're excited about the 24K? You know, people can't even believe it because if you multiply all these things, just compounded by like 8 to 10%, you start to get to some numbers. You can't believe how powerful compound interest is. But having said that, I, I took a course, a, a seminar my senior year from Howard Cosell, who would come up once a week to New York. And Howard took me down to the draft, met Pete Rosell for the first time. And then he pretty much during 
the remainder of his career on ABC on Monday Night Football if the Bears played on Monday night, and we didn't play very often. Howard Cosell, every tackle, you would think, I made the tackle. He would say it. Right. The locker room, the next day when you're seeing it, they go, you're, you're not even in the, you're not even on the TV screen. He's giving you credit. Or you're not even playing. Say, oh, yeah, right, you're right. Oh, no, Gary's not, he got hurt. He hasn't played for two weeks. You, made, no. you had 82 tackles. Oh, and then, you know, Monday night games are just really tough because, you know, you got to wait all afternoon. You feel like the energy's coming out of your body. And then I would get pimped by my teammates who, would call and say, hey, that's just Howard Cosell. I go, you're not Howard. And so we were playing in Cleveland, and Howard did actually call me, and I was taking a nap, and I, and I was giving him grief, and he goes, Gary. And I go, oh, it, Howard, it is you. I'm sorry I'm getting tempted all the time by my teammates. But, you know, you don't go to Yale to, to play in the NFL. On the other hand, you know, if you get the opportunity, why not? It's a, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. My salary if you know, if I become a baby banker in New York, it was eleven thousand dollars. So you go twenty four. Yeah. I got nine thousand dollars in bonuses, and so you know, I was making a little over you know over thirty thousand dollars for a six month job. And God, I mean, if you're a successful bear, you, you know, you get a lot of free drinks and a lot of benefits. Yeah, no, and you're right. You, know, you win a Super Bowl, it's going to be really good for the well, rest of your life. You know, when we were talking about having you on and so forth, well, you know, I started reading about uh, you and the Bears and, and the 85 team and everything. And what's crazy is that the starting payroll for the Bears in 1985 that won a Super Bowl was under $5 million. The entire wow. team. You back then were making, I think, 275000 plus bonuses. But the highest paid player on the team it was Walter Payton. I think Walter was making $685,000. I mean, Richard Dent, who's a who's one of the greatest players was making 90 grand. And today, a guy like Richard Dent is maybe making 15 to 17 million. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the dollars have just changed so significantly. You know, right now, what the salary cap this year was around 225. Yeah. And each team got for the TV contract 250 million. So before you buy a beer, park, buy a ticket, every team's making money. And so no matter how bad you are in managing your team, you're you're making money just from the T V contract. Forget all of the tickets and, you know, everything else. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh it's a reason why they the value of these teams just goes up and up because football is such a popular sport and it's becoming more and more international yeah we got uh we got involved in a deal in back in 2019 we put together a consortium we were going after then it was the washington redskins and so i'm leading the consortium and i call up my buddy uh chuck garnett he was uh the, the president of the cherokee indians business uh group there and and i go chuck it's jim bob i go what do you think about redskins buying redskins and 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 there's a pregnant pause and chuck goes i like it and we started we went out but but back in 2019 about every nfl team which is kind of crazy and you being a financial guy and so forth but they were about averaging 150 million you know in profit each team and it's obviously jerry jones team with all the stuff he has was probably doing a little bit better but i was a little bit shocked in the fact that you know in 19 in in 2019 valuations i mean the cowboys were probably valued about 4.8 to 5 billion but you know still making making 200 million dollars on a 5 billion dollar investment doesn't seem like the best return gary well i think that if you look 
and I had done this like 20 years ago, and I'm, I'm sure it's accelerated. If you look, you know, every year the average value of an NFL franchise goes up about eight to ten percent. Uh-huh. And one, it's a monopoly, right? Uh-huh. How many monopoly industries are in the United States? Yeah, maybe one. Maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe there's two or three, but there's not ten. Yeah, and so you know, these are all billionaires, most of them, with the exception of you know teams like the Bears. And so if you are worth $20 billion, what do you care if you have to pay four versus five billion? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think that, you know, it's been proven that, you know, it just continues to get more and more popular and the values go up because the revenues are going up. Now, you know, the only team that really gives you financials are the Green Bay Packers, as you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they have, you know, you can really see that they're making, I don't know what the dollars amount, but it, it's much more than, just 200 million a year. Hey, what are you going to do? And now they've got gambling and, you know, they keep adding more and more things and good for them because, you know, the the players, now that they have a collective bargaining agreement, they're getting what, 54% of the total revenue. And that's why you can afford to pay these players the salaries that they're getting today, which I think is great because, you know, these are great athletes and they're the reason why people are, are watching every team, yeah. whether it's the Bears or the Houston yeah. Texans or the or the great teams at the top, they're just unbelievable athletic plays every single well, game, I, every single week. I was gonna and I wanted that's a great segue because, you know, you 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 finally get to the Bears, your your hometown and your team, you know, and you and the Bears pick you up and and you know we can talk about all those years you know when you joined in 1976 but you know kind of moving fast forward to to the Super Bowl team you had so many great NFL names on that team i know the year was crazy and stood up but was was there any moments there with with that team specifically that was you know you did so many things that year you guys you know you got hell you had a gold record you had a platinum video <laughs> award i mean my god you did the super bowl shovel but what what was the what probably stood out something that's obscure that nobody's ever heard before that stands out in your mind and go yeah i remember that you know i had uh, in 84 we lost in the nfc championship game that was a really painful game uh, we beat the washington redskins mcmahon didn't play in the game and we lost 23 to nothing. And I had two picks in the first half off Joe Montana. We were down 6 nothing. We are like, hey, we, we can beat these guys. And we lost 23 nothing, and we're all crying in the locker room. I had never been to the Far East, and I thought to myself, hey, if, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to have this much time off. So I went to, I went to the Far East, including China, uh, in 1984, and came back. And I think that that game at San Francisco, and I'm sure that there are a lot of teams that win the Super Bowl, and you go, when was the moment? And you go, it might have been the year before, where you know we came to practice first mini camp, and Ditka basically gave a speech saying, "Hey, we had a good year last year, but second best isn't good enough." And you just felt it that you know people were just completely tuned in to doing whatever you needed to do to get to that final step, and. and you know, get to a Super Bowl and hopefully win it as well. And so uh, I just remember we went through the stretch stretch where we beat Dallas 44 to nothing. And I think we beat Atlanta 36 to nothing. And that was, those are the two games before the Monday night loss against Miami, which again, Jim McMahon, I think he finished up the game, but he didn't play most of it. And, you know, I had a friend who I met who was English, who I met in the Philippines that year before when I was traveling. And he came to Chicago like the week of that Dallas game to visit. 
And I said, you know, Greg, if we beat these Cowboys, which I had never beaten the Cowboys in any preseason, regular season, or postseason game in a bare uniform, I said, if we beat the Cowboys in Dallas, I think we have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And we beat them 44 to nothing. So I think that to me, that was kind of the, the moment where you look and go, it's only going to get more serious here, but we can do it. We can actually do it. When you're slaying those dragons, right, you said you'd never beaten the Cowboys, and it sort of makes it real. You look up at the scoreboard and you realize, hey, this is really happening, and the guys in the locker room, and you're, and you're totally dialed in. And then do you feel like you know, everybody kind of goes back to that Miami loss? We all remember it. Of course, the Dolphins brag about it to this day. But did, did you think maybe that game was sort of necessary to kind of dial people in to say, hey, as much momentum and as talented as we are, it could get away from us if we're not focused? I think we were very fortunate that that happened uh, because I you know, remember a couple of years ago when New England went in undefeated and they got beat by the Giants, I think it was, in the Super Bowl in, in Arizona. But that, you don't know. I mean, that, that's why you don't know what you don't know when you're trying to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, and that's why it usually doesn't just miraculously happen. You have a team that won six games and all of a sudden you're in the Super Bowl. It, it, there's a step. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes that step is the season before, or I bet you, you know, when Buffalo went back to uh, play the Kansas City Chiefs after losing in that uh, that playoff game last year, I, I can only imagine. I talked to Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator uh, with Buffalo, and they were ready for that game. There's no doubt they were ready for that game. And so a lot of times it's just getting those steps. Well, it was uh, a big step for the city of Chicago. I'll tell you what, the fanfare, I remember it. I remember so many people jumping on a train and heading down to New Orleans. And I mean, you know, it was it was crazy times. And then you guys come out with that wonderful video. <laughs> I mean, how's it feel? Really funny. How's it feel? You know, you are, are, are the recipient of a gold record of all things in a platinum video. I mean, to add to all of your accolades... Gary Fensick, great member of the 85 Bears here on the Jim Bob Show Game Day Edition. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, more Jim Bob Show Game Day Edition coming up. 